0: hold your place there. Uh, Well, you can go to Ephesians 4, hold that place, and then turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at both passages of Scripture there. But I want to take a second before we get started, and um, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I I really enjoyed worship this morning. Who else enjoyed worship? Amen. Amen. I love hearing people sing, and and people's hearts uh, truly be in worship. You know, many times um, when we come to church, uh, as a church, we gather together and, and we just... Uh, sometimes we come out of habit, uh, tradition, uh, maybe we come um, and our hearts are just not right with the Lord. Um, I want you to take a moment to get your heart right with the Lord. You know, in, in, in Corinthians, Paul said when the church was gathering together... Um, He said it wasn't even for the better. It wasn't for good because they had divisions, they had strife, they had issues. Their heart wasn't prepared. We just oftentimes think that no matter where our heart's at, as long as we come and perform, that God is pleased with it. Uh, but we know through Scripture that that's not necessarily true. There was a time when Scripture when, when God says, I just want them to be quiet. I don't even want to hear them right now because their heart's not right with me. And so before we worship, before we get into God's Word, I think it's very important that we take time to examine ourselves. That's what Paul said. If we would examine ourselves. And so I want you to examine your heart this morning because... Is there someone here that you have an issue with? Has someone wronged you at some point and you've never reconciled it? We need to do it right now. We need to do it before we ever get into God's Word. We're to love one another, lift one another up. We're to be a family as a church gathers together. It doesn't matter about the service, the performance. If our heart is not right, with God, If our heart is not right with another per person here, then God is not going to accept our worship this morning. And so I want to give you that opportunity. You know, you don't ever hear that in churches today, but I think it's very important that we do. Maybe we would see God move more in our church if we would humble ourselves and go to a brother... Or a sister that maybe we've wronged or they've wronged us and said, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? If there's anyone here that I've ever wronged, sincerely, from my heart, I ask for forgiveness. Because we're going to fail each other. We're just human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things wrong. As Christians, we're not exempt from that. From failures and mistakes. The difference is, is that we go to one another and forgive and love one another. See, the world wants to divide people until you just worry about yourself. But that's the difference in a believer, in someone who's lost and in the world, is that we can reconcile. We can come together through all the trials, through all the problems, the differences, the hurts, and we can love because of who loves us, and that's Jesus. And I, I pray that this morning that that's all you see is the love of Jesus. I pray that you see that Jesus loves you today. But also pray that you see the truth of His Word, and that you wouldn't see me this morning. And if you get offended this morning... Um, that you would see that it's really not me that's offending you it's God's word because all I want to do is read some scripture to you and challenge you and present some truth to you this morning so let's look in um 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 it says verse 3 for though We walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. So he's telling us here that as as Christians, he's talking to a church, that the Christian walk is a war. It's a battle that you're constantly in. And I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, things did not necessarily get easier. They got a lot tougher. Things around me, uh, got a lot harder. Finances got tighter. You, sometimes you hear preachers talking about it or you see it on, oh, my life was a wreck and then everything just worked out great. Well, mine wasn't that way. The change was, came inside, not the situations around me. It's how I faced them things. It's the hope I have and the strength I have in Christ Jesus that get me through the harder things. It's that He strengthens me. It's that all things became possible through Christ. It's not that the trials stopped coming. It's a war. It's a battle. It's hard to be a Christian man and woman, to, especially in America in these days. He goes on in uh, verse 4 and he says, For the weapons of our warfare, so this battle that we're in we have weapons but he says uh the weapons that we have of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for pulling down strongholds for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ so i want you to think about this for a second I just want you to, to listen to what he's talking about. He's talking about a, a spiritual war, a war with yourself. He says, casting down every thought, things that come into your mind. You know, we've talked about it before, um, how uh, you can maybe um, be in church or in a Bible study and these, these thoughts keep coming across your mind these bad thoughts, things that were from your past. You know, I talk about it, uh, I've talk, told Lane, I, I sing sometimes when nobody's around or nobody's listening, and I can't remember the words to the songs. And Lane, she, she jokes with me a lot about it, and a lot of the, the good thoughts, the Christian songs, I can't remember all of the words. But then a song comes on or you replay in your mind a song before you came to Jesus. You know a bad song, an 80's rock and roll song. That's the kind of stuff I used to listen to. And you know every single word. Them thoughts are constantly coming in your mind. And you have to battle that because most of that stuff is horrible. It's it's, it's straight from the pits of hell. And these thoughts continue to play in your mind and you have to battle it. And Paul's talking about that here. And uh, in verse 6 he says, And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So now I want to flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you noticed in 2 Corinthians, he talked about strongholds that our weapons are to pull down these strongholds in our life. So as a Christian, we can have a stronghold in our life, and we're supposed to battle that. And so I looked up this word, a stronghold, what this stronghold means. And the stronghold, the biblical definition means uh, a strong defense or a fortified city or wall. So as a Christian, we can have something that is coming against us, a strong defense that we have to fight or a fortified city or a wall that's inside of us that we have to fight and in Ephesians chapter 4 there's two things that sticks out that's very troubling as a believer it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 it says um, talking about not grieving the spirit the new man Okay, this war, this battle. And he says things that are going to happen and come against you. And he says in verse 27, Nor give place to the devil. And then in verse 30 he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible tells us that at the moment of salvation, When you trust in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for you, the blood that was shed on the cross for you, that he was buried and raised from the grave, that you were saved at that moment. And that you were sealed with your Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of promise. That's how we know that we as believers are saved. But it says, as a believer, you are sealed. You can't lose your salvation. There's nothing that can take you from the hand of God. But it says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but that we can also grieve that Holy Spirit. I mean, you think about when a loved one dies, or you go through something so uh, just trying and grueling in your life that it grieves you. I mean, that's a terrible thing to go through, grief. Grief. And we can do that to the Holy Spirit of God as believers. That's what the Bible says. And it says we can also give a place to the devil. Now how can we do that when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit? Well, our spirit is alive, a new man. We are sealed. But we still war against this old flesh. And he says the fight that you are fighting is between your spirit, the new man, and the old, worn out, nasty, dirty old flesh. And in our spirit we are sealed. We cannot be possessed by anything else but the Holy Spirit because we are a purchased possession. Christians cannot be demon-possessed because we're possessed by the Holy Spirit. But we can give a place or a room for the devil in our flesh as Christians. That's what the Bible says. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in communion with God. Everything was going good. God could not, or Satan could not come in and take anything from them. They had dominion over the land, and Satan cannot come in to a believer today in his life in any part of his life and take anything from you, you have to give it to Him. And that's what Abel, and Eve did when they sinned. They gave Him dominion. They gave Satan dominion over the land. And in Matthew, let me turn my page here, Matthew chapter 4 verse 8 and 9, you can read that. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, he looked, took him up on a high mountain and he looked at all of the kingdoms of the world and he said, I'll give this to you. Now, how could he do that? Because Adam and Eve gave it to them. God had gave Adam and Eve dominion over all the land. But they forfeited it. They gave it to him by entering into sin. And they gave him dominion. Now, I want you to think about some things as a believer today Because again, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but we have a continual battle where our spirit is warring against the flesh. And we as Christians today, we can, and oftentimes do, by entering into sin, give a place in our holy temple for the devil. And we wonder why the Holy Spirit is not falling upon people today like we see in the Scripture. We wonder why we're not seeing God move in some of the ways that we've seen Him move in the Scripture. And so my question today for you is, are you giving a place? Does Satan have a stronghold anywhere in your life today? Is he building up a city and is it comfortable for him? Paul gives us some things here that maybe we should look at in our lives today that he mentions how these strongholds, things that are strongholds in our lives, areas where Satan creeps in in our lives, he gives these here and what they could be. And so I want to just challenge you this morning and to look at yourself and see if any part of this is in you. In verse 22 of chapter 4, he says that we should put off concerning our former conduct the old man which grows corrupt, this is talking about your flesh, according to the deceitful lust. So he mentions lust here. Now, many times as Christians... Uh, we look at ourselves as, well, we we only look at the bad, as what we would classify the bad sins in our lives. You know, in verse 25, he goes down and he talks about lying. That if we lie or we lust after someone, that we give a place for the devil in our flesh. See, when we look, we, we as Christians, we won't go, as Christian men, many of us, we won't go right out and commit adultery. But we'll go on TV, on television, or the internet, or things like that in private where we think no one sees us and we'll lust after other things, other women. And see, what that does is Jesus said, If you look at a woman with lust, then you've already committed adultery with her in your heart because it starts in the heart. And when you do that as a believer, you open the door to a room for Satan to come right on in that flesh. And when he does that, he builds a strong defense. So when you try to get back into that part of your room and deal with it, now you've got opposition Now you've got someone in there fueling the fire, fueling the flames that are being started inside of your flesh. That's why the Bible says that we should flee fornication. Don't watch it on television. Don't go on the internet. If you have a problem with that, bash your phone. Do like Jeremy Reeves and get one from 1985 that doesn't have internet. See, we want to give place to that. Now, I want you to think about that. He even talks about lying in verse twenty-five. Now, uh, many Christians we won't outright tell a flat lie, but we'll tell a little white lie. Many of us told a lot of lie, uh, a lie this morning. Think about it. How many of us were mad, ticked off, coming to church, screaming at your wife, something, your kids, your heart's not right. You have envy, strife, something going on in your life. You're doing miserable. You're tired. You're worn out. You come to church and somebody says, Oh, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm great. I'm doing wonderful. And really, you're not. That's a lie. That's a little old white lie. But we'll do that. And what do we do? We give a place for the devil in our flesh. And it leads to more and more. In verse 29, He mentions some more things where the devil likes to get in to believers. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it might impart grace to the hearers. Do you hear what he's saying? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So any time we slip, any time we mess up, any time that we do anything other than edify another, we're given a place for the devil in our flesh. How many of us this just this week failed right there? I know I have. I'm sad to say I jumped all over my mom right before Thanksgiving. I got my feelings hurt and I gave room I gave into my flesh and I said things that I regret and I had to ask for forgiveness now in verse 30 he goes on and says and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness wrath anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now I looked up some of these words like clamor. I didn't know what it meant. It means yelling. So stop yelling. Anger, wrath, wrath means a burning inside it and then anger is the outward expression of that. So don't be built up with wrath. And then spew out with things that you shouldn't say to others. That's giving room for the devil to work and to cause division in your family. Between you and your wife. Between you and your children. Between deep believers in this church. What we're doing is we're giving him a room. And sadly to say, as Christians today, many of us have gave him a room and he is very comfortable in See, I'm not saying, and Paul's not saying that you're never going to fail, that you're never going to mess up, but he says that we're to continue to battle against it. If he tries to come in, it dang well better not be very comfortable for him. And he better not be there very long, and you better kick him out by the word of God. We see Christians all over today, or people who profess to be Christians, let me word it that way, who live continually over and over in sin, giving place to the devil. He's very comfortable. He's built a huge city in them. They do no warring against it, and they just go on, they look and compare themselves with their youth group, The rest of the people in the youth group, the rest of the people in their Sunday school class, or the rest of the people around the 75 or 80% of Americans who claim to be Christians, yet they never go to church. They never crack open God's Word. Their life is full of sin, hate for one another. 4,000 babies are being killed daily, and they do nothing about it. I'm not saying that we as Christians cannot or do not sin because we do. But Paul says that there's a battle that goes on inside of a Christian. And he hates it. He hates that sin. When Satan tries to come into your life, I know when he tries to come into my life, I I can't stand it. And I go to battle with him. And I battle him with God's Word. If you're living in sin today, Satan has come and built up a city inside of you and there's no issue with you there. There's no problem. There's no grief inside of you. You need to get your heart right because there's a good chance that you're not saved. Because there's nowhere in the Scripture, nowhere in the Scripture where The Bible talks about someone having a true encounter, being born again, true encounter with Christ, and they continue to live in sin, continually. It's not in the Scripture. I'm not against praying a prayer or getting up and walking an owl. But one of the biggest heresies that's ever happened in the church is that right there that you trusted in that. Some experience that you had and that you go on the rest of your life trusting in some experience you had back 20 years ago. You wrote it in the back of your Bible the date you got baptized, but your life never changed. You don't fight and war and battle against the flesh and spirit. You walk in the flesh continually. That's not biblical. As a Christian, we're to fight. To continue to fight it. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul says as a believer that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that that's our reasonable service. You know, why is it when you get up as a believer and speak out against something, some sin, something that Satan is coming against believers at, something that the world is trying to convince them is okay, you speak out against that and you're called legalistic. Or narrow-minded. Why is it that churches today never even hardly crack open the Bible Worship leaders, pastors, their lives are full of sin. And they've got 10,000 members and everybody's happy and they leave. Just happy as can be, but their lives never change. They're not separated from the world. They're not wholly devoting themselves to the Word of God. Presenting their body as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice. I've said it before and I don't mean this in a physical way so please don't take it in a physical way but Christians today we look like a bunch of way overweight out of shape people in our spirit. It takes work, effort, sacrifice to be in shape. That's physical but more spiritual as well. How can you be in shape if you don't ever put any effort into it? If you're never cracking open and spending time in the Word? If we're continuing to feed ourselves with junk, that's the way we're going to present ourselves. So I want to ask you this morning, is there a place that you're given to the devil? Has he built up... A fortified city or a stronghold in your life. Because if so, it's time for us to tear it down. Tear down them walls. He gives us ways we do that. And it's simple, it's right here in God's Word. And look back in verse 22 of Ephesians 4. He says. That you put off concerning your former conduct. Put off. That word put off there is repentance. That you turn from it. Get away from that. You know, many of us think that when we come to Christ, well, yeah, we repented and that's that's all we got to we got we to do. We did that once. But a life of a believer is continually walking in repentance. Turning away from that sin. We're going to fall, we're going to fail, but we continue to repent and go to Jesus with it. It's a continual cycle, a life of repentance of a true believer. Continuing to put it off. The second thing is in verse 27 again. He says, give no place. In James chapter 4, it says, verse 7, to resist the devil and he will flee. Unless you as a believer resist him, he's not going anywhere. Why should he if we're making life comfortable for him? We have to to give no place for anything of the world in a life of a believer. Nothing. You can't give it to a place in your home on the television, on internet, at work, anywhere. You have to get away from it, flee from it, resist it. A third thing we can do in verse 23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now this is something I constantly have to do. I want you to look what it says there. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And in verse 24, And that you put on the new man which was, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We have to constantly, as believers, remind ourselves of who we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Because Satan's going to come against you every time you try to be obedient, every time you try to put off the former conduct of your flesh, and you try to serve him, you strive to be holy, you strive to be righteous, he's going to come against you every time you fail. He's going to tell you lies as the world tells you that you are nobody. That you're just a bunch of chemical, a bunch of gases, come from an ape. All of these lies go around of who your true identity is. But as believers, we know what the Scripture says, that we are sons and daughters in Christ. And that when God sees us, He sees His Son, Jesus. And I have to continue to renew and rethink, get back to that, remember who we are. Paul continued to say, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. You don't think he had to continue to remind himself of who he is now? Not who he used to be. We put all that stuff off. But who we are now in Christ. A fourth thing we can look at is in chapter 5, verse 18. This is something we miss as believers today. It says, And do not be drunk with wine. So don't fill yourself with all this junk of the world who wants to take control of your body and make you someone who you're not. Because that's what alcohol does. That's what the thing, sin, period, in the world does. It transforms you into someone you're not. It will lie to you. It will lead you down a dark and nasty road. It says, don't do them things but be filled with the Spirit. Now again, in Ephesians it says, as a believer at the moment of salvation, you're sealed. But it's here it says, you can also be filled. You can be filled with something, the Holy Spirit. Now, it shows here that you can either be filled with the world, or you can be filled with the Spirit. So that means something that we're being fed, right? Now many times when we think about the Holy Spirit filling us, we go, you know, Holy Spirit, we, we see in some passages of the old scripture um, how uh, a, a believer, it refers to us as like a vessel, a vase, uh, a bowl, and the Holy Spirit is oil or smoke. And so we, we oftentimes think of being filled with the Spirit is like that, 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 we're like a jar and we're waiting for God to fill us. We come to a, a service and we're like, Holy Spirit, fill us. And we, we just don't see that. But in the New Testament, the Scripture tells us that we are not a vase, but we are a temple. And that the Holy Spirit is a person, not some oil. So if we are a home, a house, a temple, a building, our bodies, and the Holy Spirit is a person who seals, who lives inside of us. Then how can he fill us? Well, I want you to I want to use this analogy for you for a moment. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not being filled like a jar being filled with oil. It is that you are the temple he is a person and he is welcome in every room of your house I mean I want you to think about Thanksgiving how many of you had company coming over people coming into your house into your personal space was there a room that people are not necessarily welcome in in your home maybe it's the closet with all the junk you threw in there it's cleaned up the house but they don't don't go in the closet Don't go through my bedroom. Don't come in the back door through the laundry room where there's 28 piles of laundry on the floor. Come to the rest of the house that's nice and clean. And we have rooms that are off limits, personal spaces that are off limits to others. That's how we grieve the Holy Spirit because we give that room over to the devil and we say, come on in, you just can't go into that part of my life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is kicking all of them things out. All of the things of the world. All the strongholds that Satan tries to bring against you. And that the Holy Spirit is welcome to every part of your life. There's no rooms that are off boundaries, off limits. You're awful quiet this morning. Lane was mentioning it in Scripture uh, this last uh, Sunday night, and we studied on it a little bit this week, and It said every time when a believer was bold, when they stood out, stood up, and spoke truth, they were able to do that. It always proceeded there with they or or yeah, well, I guess that's the word I'm looking for that they were filled, being filled with the Holy Spirit, then they stood up and they spoke. They were bold. They did these things, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we looked into that, and every time it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then some miracle took place. Someone was bold, and they stood for the truth, and thousands got saved. They were always filled with the Spirit. So I looked into that. How were they filled with the Spirit? How were they filled with the Spirit? It goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it talks about being able to punish the disobedience with obedience. Every time someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, is that they were obedient to the Word of God. They were obedient to the calling that God had placed on their hearts. God gave them a direction... And they were obedient in it, and he filled them with the Spirit, and he gave them the tools, the power that they needed. That's all. That's all they had to do was be obedient. So, as a believer, we must first be obedient to God's word, we must confess and repent continually, we must renew our minds of who we are in Christ, and you can only do that by getting in God's Word. You know, the hope I have facing life daily, because life is hard, life is tough, is by getting in His Word first thing in the morning. Grasping them promises that He made. When I send my children out, when I have to leave them, when they go somewhere, and I worry about them, I have to grasp hold to them promises that God made that... If I raise them right, when they're older, they won't depart from that. They'll come to Him. These are promises that we have to grasp a hold of and continue to renew our mind with of who we are, of when we fail, that we have Jesus, that He's already paid for them mistakes. And that by His Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to overcome them things. Let me tell you, without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus Christ in you, you have no power against the flesh. No power. A lot of times, we... Profess to be Christians, and we fight and we clean up our own house, and then things just keep coming back and coming back. You've seen the belief, you've seen the ones who profess Christ, and then they go right back. They have this spiritual awakening, and they go right back into sin. They continue to sin over and over and over and over and over. Jesus talks about a man who did that, cleaned up his own house. Doesn't say Jesus cleaned him up, he cleaned up his old house, his own house, and he kicked out the demons. The world, the sin that was in him. And they were gone for a little while and then they came back even worse. That's the way people are today. And if that's happening in your life, again, you need to search your heart and get right with the Lord. Because there's a good chance that you might not be saved. Many people today... Most of them, if you go around and you knock on all the doors down this road, this highway, and in Palestine, most of the people are going to say, if you say, hey, do you know Jesus? Most of them are going to say, yeah. But the question is, is does Jesus know them? It's not that you know Jesus and Jesus alone. It's just does Jesus know you? Because in Matthew chapter 7, they said, Lord, Lord, in that day. So they knew him or of him. But his answer was, depart from me, I never knew you. It's about a personal relationship. I heard one pastor say, "Is if I go to the White House and I say, hey, let me in. I know Donald Trump. Are they going to let you in? Probably not. But if you go to the White House and Donald Trump comes out and says, hey, I know that guy. Bring him on in. It's the same way. As believers in Christ, I want to close with this. If you want to see victory in your life, if you want to see God move in your life and in this church, it starts with obedience. It starts with obedience. I want you to go back real quick and I'll close with it. But I want to read you 2 Corinthians chapter 10 one more time. And it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing down every thought into captivity to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, Paul says that he disciplined himself in life. He had to discipline himself. He had to sacrifice. He had to be obedient to God's Word and not to his flesh. And when he did, he was filled with the Spirit and God worked exceedingly abundant miracles in his life. And that promise, these promises pertain to us today as believers. If we as believers want to experience God in our lives, want to have victory in our life, and see people saved, see a revival in this church, and in this town, and in this nation, we have to first be obedient to the Word of God. I am sick and tired of people who claim to be believers Who never crack open God's word, who never come to church, who maybe they come to church, but they're living in sin, continuing over and over. There's no difference between them and the world. They're not obedient, they're disobedient. And they misrepresent Christ and who He is. That is not a true believer. And if you've been burned by one of them people, you've been burned by a man, a person. Don't put your trust in them. Put your trust in the Word of God and it will never, ever fail you. There's not one time in my life have I been obedient to the Word of God and Him not follow through in His promises. If you're not seeing the promises of God in your life, maybe it's because we're not being obedient. So I want to ask you this morning, if you stand with me, it's simple. Are you being obedient this morning? Have you been been obedient to God's Word? Is there something in your life, is there something in your life that is contrary to the Scripture. That Satan's grasped the hold of you and built that stronghold in your life. If there is, I want to ask you this morning to just be obedient. And bring it to Jesus. Amen? Lord, I love you and I pray.